Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every Thursday, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is an author, a teacher, a mother, a fifth degree martial arts master. She has a bachelor's degree in social sciences and communication and a master's degree in education. She taught fifth and sixth grade special education for 10 years. Her and her husband, who's an eighth day and grandmaster, together with their three children, own and run a martial arts studio, The Martial Way, in Southern California. They empower the community through the teachings of Taekwondo and Hapkido. Her vision is a world where all people are safe and respected, and her mission is to empower women to feel and be safe, strong, and able to defend themselves. Her life experience, paired with over 30 years of martial arts training, helps her take others from a feeling of insecurity to one of personal strength. Please welcome my guest today, Jody Harrison Lee. How are you doing today, Jody? Hi. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on your show. No, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad you were able to make it work out. And what we like to do with all my guests, I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know kind of where that first spark of martial arts came from. What led to your first interest? Okay. Well, uh, that was in college. It was, I kind of struggled because I was a, a big time athlete growing up. It was my identity really. Mm -hmm. And then after my first four years of college, I realized that something was missing. So I kind of was searching for another sport to do that would kind of fill that need because just working out in a gym wasn't doing it for me. Mm -hmm. So I got a flyer in the mail. I was about 22, 23 years old and it looked interesting. It was to go to a local studio and so I went to check it out and, and I just happened to show up during the black belt class and it oh, was wow. like high degree masters and there was one woman in the class and I just sat watching it just thinking, wow, that's like super cool. And it seemed perfect because it had a goal, you know, it wasn't just working out for working out purposes, mm -hmm. but it had a goal and I just, I, it was it. I signed up on the spot and, and I've never looked back. Wow. So before that, did you know anything about martial arts? I mean, did you watch any martial arts movies growing up or was it in your thoughts at all? Well, that's funny because I have looked back to think about that. And, you know, I grew up in a small town. Well, I mean, it's in L.A., but mm -hmm. the town itself didn't have a lot of stuff. Okay. And I never saw or noticed a martial arts studio growing up. But I knew that martial arts existed, obviously. I mean, I'm Karate Kid era, right? So yep. for sure I watched Karate Kid and other martial arts movies, but it seemed like something that other people did. I did traditional sports like tennis and basketball and baseball. That's what I grew up doing and plenty of other sports, but pretty mainstream sports. And it never dawned on me, actually, or, you know, that was something I could do. 
And um, yeah, and it just wasn't brought to my attention. My dad was a big athlete and he taught me all these sports and that was just not one of the choices. Nice. Okay. So, so thinking that, that first class, what was it? What did you specifically see that drew you in and made you want to sign up right there? I think, you know, even as a little kid, I wanted to be strong. I was a big time tomboy and I was an only child. And so I just spent all my time doing sports with my my dad and my stepdad. And so I think it just seemed like perfect because it was something that was going to help me build strength more as a young adult. And it was, I always just craved like, how can I be strong? And I think as I got to adulthood, I realized that strength too was more than just like being physically strong, but in martial arts sort of had that, you know, mental strength thing going too. So it, it really appealed to me. For nice. sure. And the goal, because I was definitely goal oriented. Okay. So yeah, getting a black belt. I mean, what could be cooler than that? Nice, <laughs> That's nice. what I thought. <laughs> so thinking back, what do you remember about maybe if you, your first class or your first couple classes? What are some of the things you remember doing and learning in those first few classes? Um, I think, I mean, it obviously punching and kicking and blocking. It was, it was a Taekwondo and Hapkido studio. So okay. we, we learned both arts from the get go. And so, yeah, so a lot of kicking, punching, and blocking. It was back in the was early 90s. So, you know, even now, because we run, I own and run a martial arts studio now. Mm-hmm. So, like, in comparing what it was like when I first started to what it's like now, yep. it was a little more hardcore then. Mm-hmm. Like, because it wasn't as mainstream as it is now. And so... You know, we sparred harder. Um, There was a lot of techniques that we had to learn. And I remember it being demanding in terms of endurance. Like it was hard for me to get through like all the kicking part. I just remember that that was the hardest part for me because of endurance. I grew up with exercise-induced asthma. So um, so that was a little bit tricky for me. Uh, Martial arts, by the way, has helped that a lot. My breathing is just so much better now. Yeah, and and they also did a lot of tumbling, like we would do jump rolls and some gymnastics, and yeah, it was cool. Mm-hmm. And and there were a lot of so the grandmaster that was there at the time had his brothers and a couple of other students who were masters, and they're already just worse, like the real deal, just so good, and mm-hmm. just to be able to have that experience of watching them and watching them do demonstrations was pretty cool. What city was this? And I'm just curious because when I lived out there, I actually visited quite a few martial arts schools. So, uh, It was in Pasadena. Oh, actually, uh, I visited a Kempo school in Pasadena. I don't think I visited a Taekwondo school. This, back in 95, I visited a uh, Larry Tatum's school in Pasadena when I was out uh, there. Yeah, I mean, I know there was a Kempo studio mm-hmm. um, kind of nearby. It was called back then, I think he... It was either called Royal Martial Arts is what his studio was called at first. And it was right on the main drag of Colorado and Pasadena. Okay. And then he changed it to Chulchin Martial Arts um, many years uh, later. Can't remember the timeline, but yeah. What are some things that stand out about that first instructor? You know, what was it about him that made an impact and just some things you remember? Well, his his name was Myungkyu Myung Kim, and okay. then he went by Chuljin Kim. That was his like, I guess, I don't know, Korean nickname or something. Okay. And he was he was very had a very strong presence. Like he was, uh, gosh, I like it's hard for even me to describe, but a very strong presence. You know, muscular build, uh, wore a ponytail, just very commanding. 
and impressive to watch. And then he had his brothers and a couple of other students, one of whom I married. Okay. And they were also just great martial artists because he had like three or four brothers. And so they, a uh, few of them happened to be there at the time that I started training. At any point back then, did you get involved into the competition side of martial arts? Was that something you ever did I, or enjoyed? I did, actually. Okay. I was very competitive by nature. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we would go to... Back then, it was karate-style tournaments, so it was the point sparring yep. and with the flags and all. And I really liked that kind of sparring because okay. with as somebody who had a problem with endurance, with the point sparring, they stop you every time they see a point to show the points, and so you kind of can get, catch your breath, and then yep. you go back in again. And I really liked that. We've switched to taekwondo Olympic sparring okay. over the years because I guess because of that, but I really enjoyed the karate style sparring okay. and that's how I sparred um, in my earlier years. And we would go to like the Las Vegas had those international, I don't even remember what they were called, but mm-hmm. they were pretty fun to go to and they had so many different divisions and that was really exciting to me. Okay. Did you ever compete yeah. at the big long beach tournament down there? Um, I never did go okay, to wow. that one, but I did. There's a, a master named Jun Chung, and he actually, I think Philip retrained under him. Ah, okay. And he would have tournaments, and I we would go to them every year. We would go to those, and that was back when, like, they would just be in, like, a college gym- gymnasium with no mats. You know, you would just be sparring <laughs> yep. on the the hard floor and it was it was great you know i loved it back then because it wasn't so nobody haggled they just took whatever happened Mm -hmm. and it got it changed a lot i think when we started doing the taekwondo sparring and we we ran a tournament actually for 15 years oh wow okay and i guess my claim to fame would be in terms of tournaments would be i did do the u.s open one year and i won that in the adult older division very so cool. that, that's that's fun okay yeah so do you remember your very first tournament how you did well i don't know if it was my very first tournament but i got i was a brown belt and sparred a second degree black belt and she clocked me in the jaw with <laughs> wow. either a roundhouse kick or a back spinning kick and my jaw wasn't good for a while after that. It would it would crack and and so forth. Dang. But yeah, I mean, I learned. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So, so did you do just mainly sparring? Did you compete in forms? Did you compete in weapons? Um, I competed in forms as well. I would always do forms and sparring, okay. and I never competed in weapons never learned weapons until we owned our own studio and then i learned and then we started doing weapons okay yeah so which i'm curious because i'm I'm also a fellow taekwondo practitioner what uh, forms did you guys do we do taeguk forms okay were you doing those back then too or did you were you doing the palgway or you doing something else always the taeguk i think when i first joined there were some extra forms that we did in the beginning, which mm-hmm. I have since forgotten that yeah. I think maybe were Pogway. Okay. I started uh, Taekwondo in 92 and uh, we've been doing Pogway ever since. I, my, my instructors, I mean, he's, he's learned to the Tegu, but we've never really adopted them into our regular stuff. I'm not a fan of them myself. <laughs> so Yeah. It's hard to veer from what you have been yeah. taught. Well, I mean, the, like the Paul Gay, for me, they were way more traditional because there was the wider, deeper stances where the Teguk are a little more shorter, a little more modern. You can, I guess you can call them more modern forms, I think. And like you said, yeah. it's just what I what I grew they up are. with and what I used. So, And I, and I started in Tongsudo back in 1984, 
which was also a more traditional forms. And even when I did Shotokan in high school, that was more traditional forms. So I think I was just used to that style. Although American Kempo was very different <laughs> when I studied that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I really enjoy watching the karate forms because they're so, I don't know, I guess it's the choppiness and the, the, mm-hmm. the power that they exude. Yeah. And I, I try to do that sometimes with our Taekwondo forms. Nice. Because it's just, I don't know, it seems cool. And then we also do Hapkido forms, which aren't traditional. Okay. But my husband and his uh, Hapkido master, they made up some forms and they're much lower. They're, oh. The stances are lower. It's much more circular. Really? Because Hapkido is circular, yeah. right? You're yep. using, those are cool. And it's actually a little bit tricky to go back and forth because the way you perform them mm-hmm. is, is different and where you show your power and how you move your body. So yeah, I'd love, I'd love cool to too. see some of those. Those actually, I, I love seeing different forms that I've never seen. So I'd love to, if you ever have any videos of those, I'd love to check them out sometime. Just to sure, see absolutely. Cool. So at yeah. what level, what belt level did you start teaching and when did that become something you realized you wanted to do? Well, that just sort of fell in my lap. It wasn't ever necessarily an intention. I was a teacher by trade. So I was, when I got married at the same time. So actually what happened is at the studio I was in, one of the masters there was my husband. His name is Jung Lee. And so when we ended up getting married, he opened up a studio and I was teaching in school, like uh, fifth and sixth grade, in regular traditional school. Okay. So I was a fifth and sixth grade teacher for about 10 years. And simultaneously, I was teaching. I'm sorry, I was running, helping run the studio. So I would go and work in the daytime as a school teacher. And then I would work at nighttime at the studio, you know, mm-hmm. running it and yep. assisting. And then somewhere along the line... I decided to actually 10 years from from there, so that was probably in 94 until early 2000s, I was mostly just running the back end of the studio and assisting, not doing much teaching, as I recall. And then I decided to quit teaching because it was a lot of work. And then we had had two kids already. And so I quit teaching and then just started being at the studio full time. That was a huge a huge decision because I had to trust because I had a whole income as a teacher. So I had to trust that we could raise a family on just the income of the studio. So that was a big, um, a big leap of faith. And then we ended up having a third kid and yeah, I started teaching too. So I just gradually started uh, teaching and then teaching more and more. And so it just sort of happened. I didn't even, like just even having the studio was just sort of landed in our laps because it was just happened to be a studio where the master was going to be, he had to move out of the state mm-hmm. and it just sort of landed in our laps. Oh, wow. So okay. yeah, it was fate. So thinking back to then when you first started to now, what do you think has most changed about your teaching style? I think in the beginning, it was more about just teaching the moves. You know, here I've learned how... I've been training for probably 10 years at the time when I started teaching myself. And so I'm just trying to impart the skills that I've learned, right? And then, because I'd also been teaching young children and I was a mom for 10 years. So I had learned a lot about kids, of course. And I also always studied just philosophical things, how to be a better person 
in general. And then it dawned on me that the martial art creed that I had been saying, I don't know what if you ever had the martial art creed that went to build true confidence through knowledge in the mind, honesty in the heart, and strength in the body. No. That was okay. a Taekwondo creed that I think a lot of studios had. And we would have to recite that in class every day. And I think as a teacher, I started then thinking a little more deeply at what I was teaching the kids besides, not just kids, we had adults too, but besides just the physical aspect of martial arts. And then I really looked at that creed and I wanted to actually help them figure out how do I take what I've learned in martial arts physically and apply it to life. And so I started, I think the teacher in me, I started adding some of that kind of stuff into our program. Yeah. So it's sort of East meets West. You've got my husband who is just like somebody you would see in the movies, you know, Mm -hmm. he's lives and breathes and an old soul who probably in a past life was a samurai warrior or something. And then take my sort of American ways and it made for a nice, you know, mix. And so, yeah, I put all the words of the creeds up on the belts on the wall and I make kids at whatever their belt level is, they have to learn their word. And I incorporate a lot of other stuff into our program. So every month we have a different 21 day challenge that helps them become stronger, either mentally, physically, or emotionally. And I think that's mostly how I've changed is just as I've grown as a person, Mm -hmm. I try to infuse that into our studio. I see the big picture now more, I guess, than I did when I was starting. It was just about being strong physically. Good. And when did the self-defense workshop start? When did that become something that you were passionate about? That happened around 2014, 15. I just had parents ask me, they said, you know, you should do workshops for, you should teach self-defense for girls. And these were parents, obviously, who had girls who were, entering high school and they wanted to make sure that they would not be victimized and they would tell me all these things about you know colleges and stuff that would happen in colleges and to be honest with you I never watched the news I was just lived my whole life in this studio and with my kids and I was sort of I didn't really think much about what was going on outside of that and so I had to think about it they wanted me to do these self-defense seminars and I all I could think about was because I would look up what self-defense you know how to teach a self-defense seminar and they were mostly surrounded by you know just those big padded bully guys and you would Mm -hmm. kick you know the crap out of them and although that looked really cool it wasn't something that I felt like I could teach like that wasn't my personality And so I thought, well, how would I, plus I've been doing martial arts at that time for 20 years. And I thought, how do I teach uh, somebody to be strong when I've been doing that my whole life in a seminar? And so I, I had to sit on it for a little while. And so I had to think about who I was as a kid, who I was as a teenager. And then I just developed a philosophy. It took me about a year and I wrote it all down. And so I created a book out of my philosophy. Mm -hmm. And then from that, I decided, okay, if I'm going to do this, then it would need to, I mean, I could do a two hour thing, but I really wanted to do like a multi-day seminar so I could give girls the opportunity to work out at least a few times so they could build their confidence a little bit. So now really my goal is to help people build their confidence because really that's the end game, right? Is you want to be walking taller. Nice. And feeling stronger. 
So, so how often just, how often do you do the seminars? Well, right now I've been just doing them in the summer. Okay. So like to try to get girls who are about to go off to college. Mm-hmm. But I want to now, because our studio is doing better, just life things happen basically. So I wrote the book and then I, I rewrote it in a physical manner. So first it was an, a Kindle book and then I made it into an actual book. And then my husband got really sick and he was out for a year. Oh, and wow. so that, encom- yeah, he got lymphoma. So for, in 2019, and the book came out in 2018. Okay. So in 2019, he was sick. And then 2020, we had the pandemic. And so, uh, and then I had to build up the studio again because it like dwindled down into nothing. Mm-hmm. And now things are going really well. So now <laughs> I'm sort of rekindling Uh, find your strength and creating some online courses. And yes, I want to start doing more workshops and not just for college bound girls, but Mm -hmm. for, you know, younger girls as well. And, and even maybe boys, like if I can do preteen boys and girls, that would be great too. I I missed that. I I used to help my instructor teach women's self-defense classes and I, I loved it, but it was also brutal because he made it realistic for him. It had to be in, I know I came out with a, I got a black eye once and a bloody nose once and (laughs) yeah and and he he pulled and he pulled us aside before and he's like if they accidentally hit you if they miss the target and accidentally hit you and apologize don't let them get mad at them they can't feel like this is a class they have to feel like it's real so it's serious to them and it's like you know I'm like okay yes sir (laughs) and it was fun yeah I I did it was, you know, I did go, I have um, a friend that I met who does teach the the impact style mm-hmm. where they have, where you really go in hardcore and the, the padded, and that's not the correct term. I just say the padded bully guys, but yeah. they're like the, the bad guy, right? And yep. they antagonize you. I mean, they really want to get you to feel something mm-hmm. and then you have to fight them down. And it was a great experience. Yeah. For me and and my philosophy and the way that I, I teach it is a little bit different because I really want to focus on helping them learn how to use the weapons that they have on their body. So I spend a good chunk of time just teaching them how to punch, how to kick, how to do a palm strike, how nice. to and then and then encouraging them to practice over and over again. Because what I've noticed that even though I, I do hop keto as well and I mm-hmm. learn all these complicated maneuvers to maybe take somebody down it's not really realistic if you're not going to train that way exactly. right because you're yep. you're not going to get muscle memory so it's much simpler to learn how to punch and kick and practice punching and kicking over and over again and over and over again because somewhere along the line you're going to start to feel stronger and that's the important part and of course keyopping too because it helps you learn how to use your voice mm-hmm. so I think if I look back on my training, what makes me feel strongest is that I've probably kicked and punched, you know, tens of thousands of times. And that's why I feel strong, not because I can do all these other complicated maneuvers, although that's fun too. And so that's what I want them to get is that you can elbow strike somebody. You can palm strike them in the nose. You can kick them in the groin. Mm -hmm. Those aren't things that are that complicated to learn. You just have to practice them so you can feel like empowered by it. And nice. then I do the the knowledge piece and then the piece that teaches them self-worth. 
I know when we used to do them, it, I think how, he hasn't done them in a long time just because he got married. He started having kids and just his schedule, you know what that's like. His schedule wasn't what it used to be. But back you know, when we used to do them, I think he did, it was either a six or eight week class, two nights a week is how he did it. Uh-huh. And he only did like the big padded suit on the final, that was like their final test. So we did right. kind of like you, we did the same thing. We spent the time. We, I mean, we had them doing push-ups to strengthen their arms. We taught them how to properly punch, how to properly kick. And, and then their, their final night of the class was that, I think it was like 15 minutes in the dark room with the pat, you know, with him, him with the pat. And he wouldn't let any, any of us black belts wear the padded suit. It was only him because he didn't want us to possibly get, because he had like his toe broken and stuff from a woman that yeah, did a, did a foot imagine. stomp as hard as she could. And, and she felt, he's like, don't feel bad. That was wonderful. <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, I I just really applaud the men who were willing to take that position. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, uh, it's doing a really good service. Now, do you ever, when you do the seminars, have you seen or had any of the women who have gone through your self-defense classes that have then joined your gym to continue their training? Yeah, I have two girls actually right now. They're just about to test for their red stripe belt that started in one of my seminars. So, yeah, and they're they're doing awesome. That's cool. That's what I like to see. Because like you said, I mean, I've met so many people. Oh, yeah, I took a women's self-defense class, you know, 10 years ago for two hours on a Saturday. I'm like, yeah, but what do you remember? (laughs) Yeah. Like literally, if I grab your wrist, what would you do? I mean, if you're not continually doing it and stuff, so... Now that you say that, there's also, I did one time, it was just for a Girl Scout troop. So it was like a two hour mm-hmm. mini seminar for a Girl Scout troop. And the actually was a dad who was one of the leaders, which was super sweet to see. And he had his daughters join. Nice. One of them took my bigger, actually one of them took my bigger seminar. And the other one, I think she was already ready to go to college or something. And the other one, um, got all the way to Tombo Belt before she she moved, so that was sad. She yeah. just left for college this year. Well, hopefully she'll maybe pick it up. And, I mean, that's one thing. Most most college campuses nowadays have some type of martial arts course on campus. I think. Yeah, that's but true. Whether or not it's a good one, who knows? But hopefully, they'll, you know, yeah. hopefully you had enough of an impact on her that she will want to continue it and somehow. So that'd be good. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so it feels good. You mentioned your book a few times and I definitely wanted to get to that. So talk a little bit about that. You know, what, what's kind of in the book and, and what it's about. And you said what kind of led to it, but just talk a little bit more about the book and I will definitely put a link out there for it when the show comes out too. So. Okay, super. Thanks. It's called Find Your Strength, the essential self-defense handbook for the college bound woman. And then the byline is the secret to being safe, strong, and able to defend yourself. And I have seven keys. That's how it's kind of laid out is that there's seven keys that unlock the secret, right? And three of them are mental strength. And then there's two that are physical strength. And then two that are strength in the spirit. And then they all lead up the ideas that to giving you true confidence, which is just the belief that you have the ability to handle whatever life throws at you, essentially. And that's the goal. And so it starts with, and it's all spells strength. The first key is just basically smart decisions. Smart decisions are based on knowledge, right? So we have to have knowledge in order to, and be willing to use the knowledge that we have. And then key number two is take away distractions. So we want to make sure that we're aware of our surroundings and that we're focused. And then key number three is realize your weapons and their weaknesses. And I think that one's super big because we don't realize that we have weapons on our body at all times. 
And so those three are based on strengthen the mind. And then the next two are exercise your weapons. So it's not enough to just know that you have them, but you have to be willing to use them or practice them so that they will become more automatic. And also this one is really just on exercise in general, right? So that your body feels strong. And then key number five is know how to communicate. And so I equate this, I put this under strength in the body as well too, because you're using your voice and your body. How do you hold your body so that you are exuding confidence? And then the next one is gain respect for yourself in your personal space. So this one's under strength in the spirit. So, and I think this piece to me is the most important is strength in the spirit because I think it's the one that we talk about the least. But when, especially for teenage girls, and I just remember me being a teenage girl, and the hardest part was just feeling worthy, not needing to seek validation outside of yourself. And I think that's what happens to a lot of young girls is they're seeking validation and then they get themselves into trouble that way. And so I spend a lot of time on that one. And then trust your instincts is the last one. Yeah. So, and I think the more you find yourself worthy and you have self-love and self-respect, then it's a little bit easier to tap into your intuition. And that's, you know, we talk about our gut instincts all the time and being willing to listen to those instincts. Mm -hmm. So how has the book been received? I'm, I'm reading and it looks like some really good reviews on here on Amazon. I think it's received well. I mean, most, uh, well, pretty much everybody who has who has read it and gone through my course has, and or gone through my course, has given me a lot of positive feedback from it. Cool. Yeah. I haven't um, marketed it too much with just, uh, well, in talking about the timeline mm -hmm. of after it coming out and then all the stuff that happened right. after that, I didn't. So now is the time that I'm going to focus on you know, marketing it. Okay. Yeah. I might have to order a copy of this for my daughter. I have a 16 year old daughter. So, <laughs> I mean, she's a, oh. a junior black belt. I'm hoping she'll go for her adult black belt before she turns 18. We'll see. Okay. She loves to read. So it'd <laughs> be a good one for her. Awesome. So what, yeah, and any feedback is welcome. Oh, glad, yeah, definitely. So what is some advice you would, let's say someone approached you, maybe they sent you an email or called you. They're in a different part of the country. They're not anywhere near your school. And they're, they're thinking of getting involved in martial arts for the first time. They know nothing about it. And they just want to know, hey, what should I look for in a school? What should I look for in an instructor? Maybe some things I should avoid. What are some tips you'd give them? Well, I think the I actually wrote a blog on that. So that's kind nice. of funny. I think... The first thing is to know why you want to do martial arts because all the different styles are different. And so like when people come to our studio, if they seem at all like say they want to grapple, well, we don't do grappling. So you want to think about why are you going for just like the philosophical side of it? Are you just wanting to learn techniques? Do you want more sparring? Do you want more forms? Because that's different too. Like we're pretty balanced. Some studios are hardcore sparring. Some mm -hmm. studios don't spar hardly at all. So I think the first thing is to get a sense of why and, of course, the age that you are. And I always tell them to visit different studios because you want to have a studio where the vibe is. You can tell, like, right, when you're there for a while, you get a certain vibe of the community, Right. And so you want it to be the type of community that you want to be part of. And so for us, for example, it's it's more of a family community, right? And, and we'll do family events as well. Okay. 
and it's really focused on building confidence. I mean, that's, that is what we're doing. We're teaching them martial arts, but we want them to be more confident. We want them to be good leaders, kind, but strong, right? Mm -hmm. Kind to others, but don't take crap, right? (laughs) Um, And (laughs) don't let yourself get walked all over. (laughs) Um, But like, if I get a vibe from somebody who comes in that they really want something more hardcore, that's more MMA style or more, or if they want to do ground fighting, you know, I'll tell them where else to go. I don't know if that answered the question properly. No, definitely, but. definitely answered it. So, so the question then about your school, then you, uh, you mentioned like family stuff. So is yours a pretty even balance between kids and adults? Do you have focus more on kids, focus more on adults? What, what is kind of the blend of your student body? Well, what's interesting in our earlier days, we had more adults. I mean, a balance. We all, I've always had a lot of kids, but we had more adults. And then we went through a time where we didn't have many adults or teens mm-hmm. and it was mostly kids. And we also moved locations. So that could have been part of it. We were in more of a tougher neighborhood. And even when I started in Pasadena, that had more adults as well. But like times changed a little bit. It was, it was weird. I'm not sure what happened, but it seemed more like maybe because adults got busier. You have the two parents who are working, you know, they're focusing on their kids. Everything's for their kids not doing things for themselves. And we just had kids and teens didn't really think of it. But after the pandemic in the beginning of 2021, because we never really closed. We went on Zoom the day that the pandemic started. Okay. And then, because I'm in California, they closed everything down and then they reopened everything up three months later mm-hmm. and then immediately closed everything down after three weeks again. Well, we never closed. And so... So I think we just got known as a place that you could bring your kids. And it was gradual, though. Mm-hmm. It was gradual. The beginning of 2021, it really started to soar. And I think because people just wanted, maybe they realized that they wanted to work on their health. They wanted to build their confidence back up. And because this happened with everybody. So now we have more teens than we've ever, ever had. And yes. we started bringing in adults as well. So that is exciting to me, especially seeing all those teens coming in. So we have a bigger 10 to 15 group than we've probably ever had. Nice. That's good to hear. That's really so good. So it's pretty, it's pretty balanced. Okay, cool. We could still use more adults, but yeah, yeah. definitely. I think the one thing a lot of, a lot of adults, they, they think they're too old. And anytime, yeah. I, anytime someone says that, I'm like, my mom joined in her forties and got her black belt. If she can do yes. it, you can do it. And the whole reason she did it is because she came to watch one of my classes or one of my demonstrations we were doing. And we had a lady named Miss Edith who was 73 in a red belt and testing for her black belt. And my mom joined the next day. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. love those stories. I love when I go to tournaments too and I see like people in their 70s out there and just doing their form, you know. Yep. That's cool. That's awesome. So now you, you've primarily been in the Taekwondo and Hapkido traditional martial arts for the last 30 years. So just curious, what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? And is that something you're a fan of at all? Well, I'm not really a fan, okay. to be honest <laughs> with you. I, I mean, I can enjoy watching it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't watch the UFC stuff. I can't stand watching somebody get pummeled in the face over and over again. I can't watch it. Yeah. And I think with MMA in general... And and this isn't really fair because I'd have to actually go and and talk to people and interview people and make sure this is even accurate. Mm-hmm. But to me, what's most important about martial arts is the philosophy behind it. And so, 
unless an MMA studio is teaching the philosophy and teaching respect and kindness and discipline and the whole shebang, then I think it does a little bit of disservice to martial arts because then what happens is we get parents who are afraid or people who are afraid to have their kids train because they think they're just going to be fighters. Right. And I'm trying to tell them that the opposite is going to happen. You know, it seems paradoxical, mm-hmm. but I always say you train to fight so that you don't have to. Right. You know, we train to fight and we become stronger and more confident and less likely to even be in a situation where fighting would happen. One of my former guests said it very well. He said he he said they should change the name. It shouldn't be mixed martial arts. It should be mixed martial sport. He said it's not really. Ah. And if they started doing that, obviously, or if they maybe they would start that from the beginning, maybe people would have a different thought on it. A lot of the traditional, because a lot of traditionalists I know that aren't fans, that's kind of why, because that art part isn't in there. The philosophies aren't in there. And, and, and the other ones, it's a sport, not an art. I'm like it is. That's right. It's, it's a sport. It's, you know, yeah. and I used to judge MMA. I, I judged about a thousand local and regional MMA fights over the years. And, I'm a partial fan. I'm not as much of a fan as I used to be. I, I probably haven't sat and watched a full one in probably almost 10 years now. But, but yeah, it's it, when I look at it as a sport, I enjoy it a lot more. I don't, within the mix That's of a good that. Point. Yeah. But within the mix, there are a lot of them that do have traditional martial arts backgrounds. And, and you can tell. I mean, there's like when I used to watch local ones, at any given event, we'd have eight to 12 fights. And I'd see two people, actually, maybe two or three total, go in there and like bow to their opponent and you know, bow before they stepped into the cage and stuff. So you could, you could tell the ones that had their traditional backgrounds. Not as many, unfortunately. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, not that it there's it's bad necessarily. Just mm-hmm. don't mix it in with what we're doing. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So here's kind of a fun one. What? Who are three or four names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it can be people you know and met and have trained with. It can be just, you know, someone like... A lot of people mention like a Bruce Lee or a Chuck Norris. It's your personal, whoever you want to put up there. I mean, I guess I would have to put, you know, the two people who basically made me who I am first. And the first one would be Chuljin Kim, even Mm -hmm. though that was so long ago. But he was my master for my first two years of training. And then my husband, Jung Yul Lee, who to me is just one of the best martial artists out there. Nice. And then, just for fun, the one that I think is the most fun is Jackie Chan. Nice. Those are my favorite uh, movies because, mm-hmm. you know, he's usually so funny and tough. So yeah, definitely. And then I, I need one more. You don't have to. Some people, I've had people do as few as two, and I've had people do as many as seven or eight. So it's it's up to you. <laughs> I suppose I should have a woman, right? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't... Let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anybody. Three's good. All right. Okay. So, so thinking back over your 30-some years of martial arts training, is there one philosophy you've learned that really just stands out for you? That's a very, it's, it's important. It rises to the top. You keep coming back to it. Well, it would be the creed that I mentioned earlier. Nice. That's what drives me. Okay. Yeah, and we never had that. We we did um so we did the the five tenets of Taekwondo and then we did Yeah, we the, have that too. And then the tenets yeah. of the Huarang Do. Those were you know, we didn't really have a specific creed that we went by, but we those were the ones we went through in class all the time. So and did many were your many five push ups. Tenets <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> were they courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self control, and dominable spirit? That is, is that correct. Your tenets? Yep. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's traditional. I we call that martial art creed number two. Oh, okay. Even though it's just a list of words. Okay. So we have the two creeds. And then And uh, those are those are the words on the belts too. So all the words in both of those are up on the belts. And then uh tenets of the Huarang Do. Let me see if I can remember those. It was um devote yourself and your loyalty to your country, loyalty to your parents, Mm -hmm. never yield in the battlefield, love life, do not kill needlessly, and I'm missing one. Well, that's pretty that's good. That's bad. I probably haven't had to recite them since my black belt test in 2006. So it's been a, yeah. it's been a while, but I remembered four out of the five. I'll have to, I'll have to look them up a little later, see which one I missed. Yeah. But yeah, no. They we were, started at about the same time, it seems. Yeah, I start. Yeah, I, so I initially, a little bit about me. I started martial arts in 84. I started Taekwondo in 92. I first tested for my black belt in 96. I had actually came back from California to test for my black belt. I didn't pass. I missed one break and I think two techniques. And then I had to go back to California like the next day. And then when I moved back here, trying to get back into it to retest and then just basically go through a wedding and then a kid and then another kid. And then fast forward 10 years, I finally retested in, in 2006 and did my, basically my whole test over. <laughs> so did two, com- two complete black belts because after 10 years, I'm like, I can't just do the things I missed. I have to redo the whole thing. And then, right. you know, finally passed in December, 2006. So <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Good for you for going back and doing it though. Yeah. It yeah. Def- definitely wasn't easy, but I set the goal and, and, and my instructor said, he said, I'm one of the only ones he remembers that actually said they'd come back and did it. So that kind of meant a lot. So I have a similar story <laughs> yeah. from mine was Don Belt, the one right before Black Belt. Okay. And I was, you know, I was still in my twenties, mid twenties. So I was a little cocky maybe. And I, for my, and the tests were really long back then. <laughs> and I, I had exercise-induced asthma, and by the time I got done with the main part of the test, I was wheezing, and then we had to do the braking. And so, same thing, I didn't brake, and they didn't give me a second chance to go up. Usually, they'll give you a second chance. Didn't give me a second chance. And then he failed me, and I was really upset. And I even went and talked to him, and I was like, how could you fail me? Like, And in my mind, I was like one of the best students, and I just <laughs> was like cocky and just thought, how could – but I also had just started dating the master, who mm-hmm. I am now married to. And he just told me that, you know, I had to set an example and blah, blah, blah. And, and so I had to retest. And it ended up being a great experience that I'm so glad I had. One, just because I can tell the story about, Mm -hmm. you know, having perseverance and dominable spirit and the fact that sometimes you're going to fail. But then also I went and I said, okay, teach me how to break. I am never going to have that happen to me again, right? And because obviously there were some technical things maybe I was doing wrong too. Mm -hmm. And we had to break like three, sometimes four boards, you know, stacked together. I mean, it was pretty hardcore. And yeah, so I worked extra hard. I came back with a different mindset and not taking things for granted and... And then now breaking is like my favorite thing. You nice. know, I it became like, you know, I'll I break bricks and and stuff and I just really like it and it ended up being a good experience. But you know, just as easily you can walk away and say, Screw you, right? <laughs> yep, definitely. Right. But having an attitude, but it ended up being a really good experience. That's cool. I know our instructor, so we usually for black belt tests, at least though twice I've done it now, we usually have about ten different breaks. 
and you only know what one of them is going to be ahead of time. He'll pick them randomly throughout your test. Like if you're doing, I give the example when students ask me, what should I prepare for? I'm like, well, if you're doing a technique and you do a really great turning sidekick, he might have you do three boards turning sidekick. I said on the flip side, if you do a really bad turning sidekick, he'll probably have you do three boards turning sidekick. <laughs> like, so you never know. I said, be prepared for anything. I mean, like my first time in 96, I had to do, I had to like, you know, drop a board in midair and snap punch it. I had to do like a sweeping backspin break. The one I missed was actually head break brick. That uh, was my, <clears throat> the one wow, I missed. Wow. And then when I did You had to do that for tests. Yeah, wow. yeah, exactly. And then that was the one I missed. And then 10 years later, luckily that, I got it that time, but I had to do, you know, 10 completely, completely different. So I'm one of the few that I know that had to do like 20 different breaks to get, actually get his black belt, but uh, you know, punching breaks, kicking breaks. And uh, I've never been a huge fan of breaking. I used to like doing forearm bricks just because uh, the first time I ever broke a brick, we were doing a demonstration at a fair. And right before the demonstration, I think I was a purple belt, I believe. He just came up to me and said, Mr. Brian, you're breaking three bricks today with your forearm. I'm like, yes, sir. What? <laughs> I'd never broken a brick in my life. He gave me like a you know 20 minute lesson on how to do a proper movement and stuff. And I did it at the demonstration. So... <laughs> Oh yeah. my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, and, I, and again, I have, <laughs> I have the same experience. Yeah. I, we we were asked, and this is when I was still in my original studio. I pro, I don't, I might have just got my black belt, or maybe I was a brown belt. I'm not sure. And they were doing a demonstration at some fair on a Kia display. Okay. Like, and so he, yeah, they said, "Here, you're going to break two bricks." And I had broken bricks before, but they asked me to do a down palm strike, which was mm, new. Yep. And so when it was my turn, I would go to break and I completely missed the bricks and slid my arm down mm. the backside of the Ouch. bricks. And then, of course, I mean, the adrenaline's pumping. I went for it again and I broke it. Mm -hmm. So it was fine. But blood is dripping down my forearm yep. and I'm just standing there. Right. But you just wow. do what you're told to do. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I know. I think I've done that if, once or twice too. Missed them. Like you said, you just keep going. I know when I first time I tried doing the head break brick, I mean, not even the first time, because I think he ended up because like throughout my first test, he'd give me more tries because he's like, well, if you if you do this better or if you, you know, give me 30 push ups, I'll give you an extra try. Cause I think he wanted me to because the only thing I was missing, he wanted me to pass. But I think I ended up that first time in 96. I tried it 12 times probably. I basically was just bouncing my head off a brick 12 times. I'm surprised that that's a testing requirement. That seems like a demonstration thing, but and to it, actually have to break with your head. Yeah, and I think he might be getting away from it now as much, yeah. especially since I think because the Kukimon lowered the age of lock, because now I think you can get black belt when you're 14, where back then it was, I think, 16 when we were doing it. Oh, did they lower? I know it's... Well, 16 in Korean years is 15 in ours. Okay. So if as long as they're 15 when we apply for it, it'll be a Don instead of a Poom. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if they've lowered it, though. But I, I thought they did. I could be wrong, but I thought they did a couple years ago. Yeah, so, and I yeah, think I, that's one reason he kind of got away from that. I mean, and I know when I, when I retested in 2006, I was testing with a kid who was, I think, 17, and he got it on his first try. <laughs> and my instructor pulls me aside because I was going to go try it. He goes... He goes, just remember, he's a 17-year-old kid. He's too dumb to know you shouldn't be smashing your head into a brick. Just go break it. <laughs> and I got it. And I'm like, oh, that helped. <laughs> so, That's funny. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, a few more fun ones to wrap it up. Now, this one, you obviously can't pick your own. Do you have a favorite martial arts book? You know, I 
I don't think I've read any martial arts books really? that I can think of. I know. Isn't that weird? I think because I literally feel like I have been living with the textbook for 30 mm-hmm. years. I've never been compelled to read at least not nonfiction yeah. martial arts books. Now, I don't know. I gravitate. Yeah, I've just never gravitated towards reading about martial arts or martial arts uh, stories. Okay. Maybe, I mean, movies. Yep. And that's, but, that one's coming up. Books. <laughs> Okay. Now this this one you might not have an answer for either depending. You kind of grew up in the 80s and 90s like me. Do you have a favorite martial arts video game? And you, and you said your daughter is. Oh, all my all three of my kids are <laughs> nice. avid gamers. I can't even answer that. Never never played Mortal Kombat or nope. Tekken or Street Fighter back in the day. Nope. Wow. No. Okay. How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Well, right now, so my my kids just made me watch Arcane, which was, I have to say, great. Okay. And that is based loosely, I guess, off of League of Legends. But yeah, tons of all fight scenes. And the animation is amazing. So highly recommend Arcane. Okay. I'll have to check that one out. And they also made me watch... Demon Slayer, another anime one. Okay. And so those two are fun. And currently I'm watching Cobra Kai. Nice. And so I, it is quite silly, actually. Have you watched it? Oh, I love it. Me and my daughter watch it together. Yeah. So, but don't you just, I mean, it's nostalgic. So, I mean, you know, I'm totally having fun with it. I'm in the last season now. Mm Mm-hmm. Aren't you just annoyed with like you know some of it is just so so unrealistic? And I, so I know annoyed, going but... I know going in it's not realistic, so I'm just having fun yeah. with it. And and the, totally, and the whole totally. thing for me is Karate Kid's the reason I got into martial arts. I mean, yeah, literally that's the reason I joined. So it's it's I was so excited when they announced it, and and I've actually you know I've had uh, one person from the series on my show, and I'm I'm trying to get some more. And yeah, it's oh that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's and just, I'm I'm super impressed with how they were able. Able to get Everybody. all those original cast, like that's really impressive, and they all look good. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. impressive too. Yeah, I know, I know. Ralph Macchio does not look sixty. I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> I, no, I, I only hope. But I also I look at other martial artists, like you know, you talk about female martial artists. If you're a fan of Cynthia Rothrock and watched any of her movies back in the day, she was a guest on my show. She does not look over sixty. She's in phenomenal yeah. shape, and I'm like, no way, she's sixty years old. So yeah, it's yeah. it's martial arts, man. That's what it does for hey, you. Hey, it's a good testimony, right? <laughs> That's for, right. For staying young. Definitely. Right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Now, you mentioned Jackie Chan, so I'm curious. Favorite martial arts movie? Actually, the one that made the biggest impact on me, or mm-hmm. you know, where I was like, wow, was The Last Samurai. Oh, not a great movie. I just loved that movie. Just... Tom Cruise is the best movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that one that's that's on my list of favorite movies for sure. Okay. Yeah, but but all the like tuxedo, you know, any of the fun Jackie Chan movies, I think that are fun. Nice. Yeah, all right, now like this it. one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie. It, it can be, doesn't have to be, but just a favorite movie fight scene. Ooh. I've Gosh. had I've had people pick anything from Star Wars to Marvel to Bruce Lee and anything in between. So whatever you want to pick is up for grabs. <laughs> wow, I not sure I can I'm I'm not super like visual and artistic like mm-hmm. my kids can say oh remember the fight scene over here and I'm like not really I just I it all <laughs> is one big jumbled mess of of fighting to me okay but, <laughs> and, and I think it's been too long since I've watched so many of the movies that mm-hmm. I don't remember 
yeah. Okay. So well, that's it fair. would be hard for me to answer. No worries. All right. Anything else that maybe I, I didn't ask you or that you want to make sure we mention before I let you go? I can't think of anything. Okay, cool. And like I said, I'll, I'll put links for your school, for your blog, for your books and everything you know, on the, the show notes when we release it. And I, I just want to thank you. This has been so much fun. I, I love your story. And I'm, I'm hoping next time, uh, I wish I would have known you because uh, I was actually in Los Angeles in February or March. <laughs> I would have popped by and visited your school, but hopefully next time I'm, oh, cool. I'm out that way, I yeah. can stop in and, and cause I'd, I'd love most. That's my goal is most of the people who have been on my show. I want to at least meet them in person and especially the ones who have schools. I want to stop in and say hi and stuff. So I just, I, Absolutely. Just, I want to thank you. So it's been so much fun. And, and like I said, I just, I love your story and, and I can't wait for the episode to come out. Thank you. Thanks again for, for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And it was fun for me too. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.